Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Today, Ify, what are we what are we covering today? Oh, this is a actual topic I'm pretty excited about. Esports. I watched Esports. 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 Deportes. Eat deportes. I've been real excited. I've gotten we can go deep. There's a lot of stuff that we don't even have in the doc that I'm probably gonna go into tangents about. But esports is very deep. It has a long history. A lot of people are hearing about it now because the money in it, because that's what drives Everyone's yeah, excitement. it's more televised, I feel like, now and just the amount of leagues, which we'll get into. And we have a billboard of our Los Angeles team like oh, yeah. outside my place, so it's legit. LA, LA Valiant? Yeah, Valiant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it used to be the Clippers up there, but yeah. not anymore. No, no. <laughs> they were like, we're replacing not at you. All. <laughs> <laughs> this is really great because at Nerdificent, like we said, it's a show for everyone. And this is actually a topic, one of the few topics, but yeah, one of the topics that I'm not as well versed in so uh had to do a lot of research on this although i do have friends which we'll be having one of them join us in a little bit malik forte who's a friend of mine who is now in the overwatch league or he hosts i saw a commercial for him yeah he's a commentator yeah he's a commentator but he's been in for a minute like he was a gaming editor as well and of course he was at nerdist um before that yeah he's been a commentator on overwatch league he's been a part of BlizzCon, he's done fighting game. He even, you know, grabbed the sticks a few times himself. So he's, he's we get both sides. I'm yes. really excited. Yeah, so he'll be joining us in a little bit. But just kick us off, if you have no idea what esports is, it is a form of competition using video games. So it's most commonly a form that's organized in multiplayer video game competitions. Now, primarily between professional players. So we'll get into that as far as how to go pro. 
how to go viral. How to go viral. And let's I go <laughs> into our very first of many sidebars I'm going to take us on. So the fact that it's called esports is probably one of the most debated facts about esports. A lot of people don't think that it should be called esports. I remember when they had our the Heroes of the Storm tournament that they had, uh, the college league they have, and it was airing on ESPN. And people were like, why is this on ESPN? This isn't a sport. And... What's silly is ESPN also shows World Series of Poker, which uh, <laughs> which is like it's the same difference. But to really tackle this argument, the definition of a sport is an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment. Hmm. I feel like the only real debatable part about this is the amount of physical exertion. Now, what one thing I can tell you is there is a disparate difference between your average person trying to play a video game and, and a professional, professional player yes. because yeah. it takes a lot of hand-eye coordination. You have to have a certain quickness with your fingers. So the debate is valid and strong, but I'm going to go ahead and say it is indeed a sport. And if you don't believe me, just play video games for over three hours and tell me how those God. fingers and yeah, wrists feel. Yeah. It's, it's And these are professionals that that we'll get into, but they are essentially, I mean, they're training every day. A lot of them, some of them, one of our friends, actually, Janelle Santa Cruz, I know her brother was living in a house because he got picked up as a professional player, um, was living in a house with other competitors or other people on his team in order to compete. And now many, many game developers now are actually, they design their games based off of professional esports. Oh yeah. We'll get deep into that towards the end of this because I have lots of thoughts about it. it. It really has made an impact on gaming. But before we go there, let's talk about the history. Let's get into it. Deep diving into the history of eSports. So the earliest known video game competition took place on October 19th, 1972 at Stanford University for the game Space War. Space War. Stanford's pew, pew, pew. Phew. Stanford, <laughs> I had to add an extra one in there. Uh, Stanford students were invited to an intergalactic space war Olympics, whose grand prize was a year's subscription to Rolling Stone. That's kind of interesting, like those two things together, yeah, those especially are given that time. <laughs> very truly humble beginnings now that like the rewards are in the millions. But back the first one, you get a subscription to Rolling Stone. I mean, I would take that now, to be honest. Oh, yeah, but very quickly it jumps up to even spicier because... In the 70s, 90s, 80s, I'd set that all out of order, <laughs> but it got it got bigger. Tournaments started becoming a big thing, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself. And I just want to take a quick stop because during the 1970s and 1980s, video game players and tournaments began being featured in popular websites and magazines, including Life and Time. One of the most well-known classic arcade game players is Billy Mitchell's. Uh, he's mostly known for his high scores in six games, including Pac-Man and Donkey Kong. But most people will know Billy Mitchell from that movie, The King of Kong, mostly because he's painted as a bad guy. Because every movie <laughs> needs like a good guy and a bad guy. I love it because the name of the villain in um, Karate Kid is Billy. <laughs> <laughs> he was doomed. He was doomed. I love it. Yeah, I was going to say right before then in uh, in 1980, we had the Space Invaders Championship, was held, which was held by Atari. Oh, really? um, and that was the earliest large-scale video game competition, so that attracted 10,000 participants across the U.S. And that, I think, helped establish it as more of a competitive mainstream. At the time, it was still a hobby, but definitely something that people were paying attention to. Oh, yeah. And then the 1990s were really when it really blew up. 
because video games as a whole kind of stepped it up and it was taken into a huge competitive level. And it's all the rise of PC gaming along with this came the first true esports competition. In 1997, Red Annihilation had tournaments for the first-person shooter Quake, which is widely considered to have been the first real instance of esports. I remember this. And if you don't know what Quake is, uh, we'll take it back. It's basically like a Doom-esque shooter, except it had this was the first kind of versus mode of that. And you had these, it was the kind of same first-person shooter guy in the bottom. I was a huge fan. I never really got to play it because my parents didn't buy it for me. I had the Captain Crunch came out with their own, like, bootleg game, and I had, like, the demo. Um, Oh, man. Yeah, so carrying on with that, more esports tournaments started to pop up in the 90s, including 1990, which was Nintendo World Championships, and that actually toured across the U.S. as well. And they held their finals in the Universal Studios Hollywood in California. And I just need to say this as my sidebar. I found out Blockbuster Video. <laughs> May they rest in peace. Yeah. Um, they brought me a lot of hours of my childhood, so I still respect them. Uh, but Blockbuster Video also had their own World Game Championship oh, yeah. in the early 90s. Uh, it was co-hosted by GamePro Magazine. And actually, not only was the U.S. involved, but also citizens of Canada, the U.K., Australia, and Chile were also eligible to compete. Also, one more thing about Red Annihilation's tournament, which I, this is how I heard about it. So in 1997, uh, in those tournaments, the winner received a Ferrari but get this, the Ferrari was previously owned by John Carmack, the lead developer for Quake. So how much money was Quake bringing in oh, that John man. Carmack was rolling in the Rari? And it, it was a Testarossa, if I remember correctly. It was a pretty ballin' Ferrari. On a separate sidebar, since we also talk about our personal experiences in here, I know mm-hmm. several of my friends who now work for people that got big in cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of those companies that they like host or do freelance for, are, are it's like basically one you know dude that owns it or something at each of these studios is trying to pay them in cryptocurrency. Oh, yeah. It's, Which but- part of me is like, yeah, I also want like several options. I would like several <laughs> options to be paid yeah. in case one of these goes under, but yeah. But yeah, I, to really stay on the Quake notion for a little bit, this was also kind of like the early beginnings of online multiplayer, just in a larger scale. I remember Heat.net, it was one of the early leaders of online gaming, and I actually signed up for an account right as it closed. Like, I had the account, I convinced my dad to get some faster internet, and then I logged back in, and it was like, Heat.net is closing its doors. I was like, okay, well, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> But then uh, during the 2010s, esports grew tremendously, incurring a large increase in both viewership and prize money. Although large tournaments were founded before the 21st century, the number and scope of tournaments has increased significantly, going from about 10 tournaments in the year 2000 to about 260 in 2010. Many successful tournaments were founded during this period, including the World Cyber Games, Intel Extreme Masters, and Major League Gaming. And the proliferation of the tournaments included experimentation with competitions outside traditional esports genres. For example, in September of 2006, Fun Technologies Worldwide Web Games Championship featured 71 contestants competing in casual games for a 1 million grand prize. Oh, dang. Yeah. So, so that was something for field. anyone, yeah. Well, that's what's so funny is it kind of crept up on you because... It's always kind of been big in Korea. Like that was where mm-hmm. it was with the StarCraft tournaments and everyone knew it was big, but it just wasn't sticking out here yeah. in America for a bit. I mean, it was it was underground. What we're talking about from the 90s 
till about now, it was still pretty underground. It wasn't as large scale. So I was watching a documentary today on Netflix called All Work, All Play. Uh, it was filmed in 2015 about esports. It was basically about the life and struggle of becoming a professional gamer. And something that they had said often in it was like the lack of like respect for North American gamers. Like they're just not considered on the same level. Oh yeah. Uh, which that has changed since then. And, and, I mean, and it's still a meme. Like NA right, is right, right. trash is a meme within League of Legends and it's because, you know, NA doesn't make it that far in these huge scale tournaments. It's usually dominated by UK and uh, Europe, mostly Europe and Asia. But, you know, we're, we're, we've make, we've, we're making strides. We're going to get up there. Big NA teams are evil geniuses. That's uh, They're a great NA team. Actually, that's the only one I know. That's the that <laughs> evil geniuses. What I did want to say is the popularity, like if he was saying, has grown tremendously. So back in 2013, it was estimated that there were 71.5 million people worldwide that watched esports. So it really did jump up quite a bit. And that was also because of the increasing availability of media platforms like Twitch. Oh, yeah. Uh, where people can now live stream them playing. Well, I think it's mostly because the difference now is people see this happening and know it's available. It's always kind of been around like one of the big tournaments used to be the Cal Cali Counter-Strike tournaments. And I've had friends who's competed in that, but that was beyond me. Like I remember I remember in high school trying to put together a Counter-Strike team. I never even had Counter-Strike, but I made like a graphic. I love it. And uh were you like Key Club, but you were trying to do it for Counter-Strike? Basically, like having like I, a, <laughs> an after and, school club. <laughs> yeah. But I had no concept that there was already like established leagues that were having Counter-Strike tournaments that you can compete in. And I remember before we started recording, you were talking about like how tennis can be inaccessible because it's a very expensive. Yeah, uh, tennis, gymnastics, figure skating. It's kind of like your parents have to have yeah. money in order for you to compete in those. And that's kind of how esports was, especially the 90s era, because also you had to have a a PC that can run Counter-Strike, which may not have been. You know, this was before there was a computer in every household. This was when having a computer was like, a ooh, okay. It was a privilege. Yeah, it was yeah. a luxury. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So to have a computer also strong enough to play Counter-Strike that you can lug to a LAN center and have a LAN party, which a LAN party, for those who don't know, is where you basically hook up a whole bunch of computers to one kind of server. So LAN stands for Local Area Network. And it's a computer network that spans a relatively small area. So you create a network between all the computers, usually in a large room. And that way you can play Counter-Strike at a good broadband because playing online, not that good. You know, this is like 56K DSL days. So when you have these LAN parties, you're able to play almost as if it's, well, not almost as if, because you're side by side all on the same network. Yeah. What I was going to say is that um, going back to how tremendously this popularity has grown so it's expected to reach about 500 million fans worldwide by 2020 so 500 million i can see that yeah i mean i could see it too but also like in 2013 it was you know they said 71.5 million and now it's like five 500 million worldwide and that's uh thanks in part to intel extreme masters iem which is the longest running global esports tournament series they mentioned that in the in the documentary as well that there were ones that were before them but they kind of dropped off mm -hmm. 
they didn't quite have the same uh, platform and, and structure and everything, and this is the longest-running one. Yeah, Intel Extreme Masters is one of the best-run because they were partnered by the ESL, which is the Electronic Sports League. And uh, really, it launched in the year 2000, and it was a successor by the Dutch Clan Liga which was founded in 1997. So this is a okay, long, yeah. so these people know what they're doing. And ESL is like, ESL is the NFL for Counter-Strike. Mm -hmm. if, if you're talking about Counter-Strike tournaments, you're talking about the ESL. And, but just like the NFL, they're running into some issues here and there, and we'll get into that a little later. But they're having issues with cheating, teams cheating and not having yeah. the span because it's blowing up. Basically, the, the scene is growing quicker than these companies anticipated right so it's now you can't really have officials at every one of the qualifying event and when you can't have officials i remember i'm a big fan of rainbow six siege and they had their own uh invitational and a lot of the qualifier matches are done online with someone like they're not in person like a lot of these major events so people are cheating and you have to like turn in it's almost like a, a report on like the activity that your computer was doing but those can be falsified and so there was lots of accusations or as we call them in the gaming industry hackusations of people <laughs> like hacking and some of the evidence looks yeah. good but it's kind of hard for them to be able to pinpoint every single one because it's growing faster and it's hard to watch so many yeah. different games. Yeah. We'll definitely get into the ethics of uh, eSports here and dive into that a little bit more. What I did want to say is back to you comparing it to the NFL with these companies, a lot of them sought to create leagues that followed essentially North American professional sports. So in which all the teams participate in a regular season of matches, just like the NFL and MLB and all the other ones that I can throw out there. Oh, yeah, that's completely why the ESL eventually created E-League. But I'll wait for Malik to be here to talk about that because he's very well versed in it. If I remember correctly, he kind of was a part of it in a small way or a big way. I did want to say in that uh, <clears throat> the All Work, All Play documentary when they were talking about League of Legends, they said 67 million players play this game every month. 50 players in North America actually play at a pro level and this is, in quotes, just like it's very hard to get into NFL or Major League Baseball, it's just as hard to get into League of Legends. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but going back to leagues, so Malik is a commentator for one of the biggest leagues, uh, which is the Overwatch League. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Because Blizzard Entertainment announced the Overwatch League based on the game Overwatch in 2016 with its inaugural regular season featuring 12 teams starting in January 2018. And players got contracts to play on teams that are guaranteed an annual salary and mm -hmm. benefits, as well as sharing the team's revenue and prize winnings. And the reason that's very important is because kind of the, the structure before it, it was kind of iffy. You never knew what could happen if... Like, especially right now in the ESL, you have teams cutting players right before the big matches and cutting them in a way so that another team can't pick them up. Because just yeah. like just like other sports, there are trade blocks and there's right, right, like right. trade deadlines. So what they'll do is they'll keep a player they know they're going to drop on until the deadline's over so that other teams can't pick them up and use that player against them. Yeah. But if you look at how it affects the player, right. now that player's out of out. mind. Yeah, and not only that, we're talking about young people here. So a lot of these people are ones that have dropped out of college, they've dropped out of school to pr to pursue professional esports. Now they're at a level where they are getting paid professionally, but they don't necessarily always have a backup plan. And so when you do something as shady as this, as cutting them, 
And then now they don't, now they're out of money and now they are also banned, like if he said, where they can't get onto another team. Well, you kind of screwed them over. Yeah, they have to wait till the next season, pretty much. And it is, you bring up a good point where like a lot of these kids aren't necessarily going to college. There, There's no backup plan. And as it stands so far, kind of, because we all know if you play football or basketball, you play for as long as you can, but if you get dropped, you have to find something to do. Or if you last long enough, you become a coach. It's very similar in esports. There's coaches in esports, mm-hmm. and a lot of these coaches are ex esports players. And your other options is either being commentators or trying to make a living on Twitch streaming. But a lot of times, you know, the the big dogs on Twitch are the ones who are still playing. Right, so. right, right. Yeah, I think it's just important to understand that these are young people. They also deal with the pressure. I think that is something that they're not always used to as far as, you know, as reading interviews with them and some of their parents and stuff that these are kids that some of them have dropped out of college in order to pursue this full time and then they get cut or they lose a match or they lose a tournament. And it's like the amount of online harassment that they deal with that I think all of us are like, yeah, well, that's what you signed up for. I mean, that's not how I feel, but that's what people say to me about the the um, career that I chose is like, oh, well, that's what you signed up for. You're going to be a public figure. You're going to get this. And I'm like, yeah, but one, they're young. So I don't think that they're always necessarily prepared for the amount of online harassment or, and it's just relentless. I mean, I feel like that's uh, something else that we can get into. But what I did want to say is that there are universities that encourage and have esports programs. So um, according to scholarships.com, there are more than 30 U.S. colleges and universities that offer scholarships for gamers. And I guess the University of Utah is one of the largest ones to offer scholarships for video gaming. Um, I was watching an interview that they did that was talking about just like the important that I'm, I'm glad that a lot of these universities understand where technology is going and they're trying to also incorporate that. And mainly, they also want to encourage, like, yeah, if you want to continue academics, if you want to continue going to college, but you also want to be a part of this esports program, you can do both. So you don't have to sacrifice it. And you can get your school paid for. Exactly. Now, that's that. I think that's a great plan. What I did want to say is, so the University of Utah currently offers players partial video game scholarships, but with the plan, their future goal of offering full video game scholarships to its gaming team. Oh, yeah. But it, it it's... It's good, but it's tricky for me because I feel like the median age for most professional gamers is within the 16 like 20. to eight, 20 oh, range. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Overwatch League, I believe you have to be over 18 to be a part of that league. But yeah, because the median age is so young, it's hard to really kind of capitalize off of, you know, a structure similar to most sports where, you know, you go through college, most most players get the first two years and then they jump out or sometimes they'll get the full four years. But with this one, it's, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if with the, because also the reason the median age is so young is because this is, those are the ones who are playing right now. Yep. And yeah. I feel like this, our generation at least really, like I said before, you weren't able to, even compete in esports because your parents are like, what are you doing on those games? What are you doing? So I'm curious to see if the median age for professional level players rises a bit now that there's a bit of understanding that there is a little bit of worth to having your child play and get mm-hmm. better at video games. Um, Ray Lee, who I who works at Twitch, uh, we were hanging out when I did my episode of Fresh Stock, and he was talking about how he went to, I want to say... 
it was Singapore or something, and they're at the cyber cafe, and his mom was trying to get Ray, uh, this kid's mom was trying to get Ray to talk some sense to his kid to get him to stop playing video games. What? And Ray <laughs> had to be like, I just want you to know, he's really good, because I guess the kid was really good, and he could... possibly be a professional player right so i want you to know before you ask me to do this if you really feel like you know you this is unsustainable if he's doing bad at school or something i can talk to him but i want you to know that there is a benefit to this that if you allow him a certain block of time to Mm -hmm. practice this could really pay off and i think it is that thing where it's like meet in the middle because i understand a parent not wanting a kid just saying forget school and do this right but there but just like any other sport, I do think there might be some benefit to be like, okay, you want to do this? You want to be good at this? All right, you get to play it for two, three hours after school, just this game, no other games. You know, like really treat it like a sport. This is practice. I'll check in on you. No farting around. You got to be playing competitive, high level. Yeah. But it also takes an understanding of that game, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because People understand football and basketball in a general sense. Like, even if you've never really followed the NFL or the NBA, you get the idea of the game. So, like, the concept of someone practicing it, you can tell. Whereas, like, video games, you're like, okay. <laughs> like, there's a difference between playing at a competitive level and then casually just yeah. farting around. Yeah. No, I hear you. I um, I I want to have kids just to put them into esports. <laughs> My brother, actually, he was a – this is – it's also possibly another alternative to sport, like to. So my brother was um, a a football player growing up. He was in the Dallas Morning News, like he was MVP um, at his high school, and it was a big thing. And, and I talked to him recently, and he was like, "I'm not going to put my son in football." Oh yeah, it's that's a, a different topic for a different day. Yeah, but, but this um, is, yeah, that's the new yeah. way for a lot of parents. Mm-hmm. Of he our was generation. like, "I'm not going to." Uh, and I was like, "What? You were so good, and you were." respected and he was like I'm not doing it. But getting into ethics, I did want to uh talk about how there have been reports actually pretty publicly of players using stimulants like Ritalin and Adderall and things to significantly boost their boost their concentration. Also some players will take propanol uh which blocks the effects of adrenaline or Valium which is uh prescribed to treat anxiety in order to remain calm under pressure. So in July 2015, Corey Friesen, an ex-Cloud9 player, admitted that he and his teammates were all using Adderall during a match against a Vitrous... Uh, Virtuous Pro? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they just openly... I, and I guess maybe you can, because I don't know if it's actually regulated. Yeah. I mean, they're not, like, do, they're not checking, they're not doing blood tests before this. And I think because no one's really done anything like this, and I don't mean esports in general, I just mean using Ritalin as... It, because there is the question of, is does it give you an edge? Or it might just be like a blanket, almost Olympic statement, where it's like you can't do it at all, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so there is some issues with that. But speaking of the Olympics, you know, they've been looking for Olympic game recognition, but actually, we'll get into it after the break. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. 
If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. We're back again. We're here with my man Malik Forte, freelance esports dude and music producer. Man, yeah. it's good to Thanks have you. Thanks for on. joining yeah, us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh man, yeah. No, we when we I, knew we were talking about esports, it was right yeah. there. It was like we got to have you're Malik my first on. person I thought of. Yeah, yeah. You you've been in this industry for a while. I feel like now. Yeah, I mean, I've been in gaming just period right. for a while. Actually, getting back into esports is been kind of uh, about a year or two because mm-hmm. I was out of esports for a good minute just doing like traditional game journalism and mm-hmm. stuff like that and this is kind of like my foray back in oh, there oh man yeah and you've been killing it you and, have been and we're gonna get into like before the break I would say we were talking about the Olympics games recognition of esports we're gonna get yeah. into that in a second I got Malik questions I want to <laughs> like, let's talk about you got it on your shirt right now it's something that's always interested me I've known about it as long as I've known you but I've never truly formally asked about it. what is crew ham uh crew ham is a group of my friends to be honest uh we kind of got a little underground community that's just centered around like gamers who like hip-hop you oh know? nice mm-hmm. yeah so it's kind of like a emerging of just like the the urban type of nerd oh yeah yeah uh, and yeah i mean to be honest like the cool thing about crew ham is this is like it's mad underground so like yeah it's not we ain't all about the like social media sh- stuff you <laughs> yeah. know and, not and, like and, the like, rest of us <laughs> yeah i mean everybody does it individually but yeah. as far as crew ham goes like we just keep that under wraps like there are a lot of people until now now it's out i know now we <laughs> I mean, blasted it on this podcast i mean there's a lot of members of crew ham who are out there you might not know it's like the illuminati yeah yeah i gotcha <laughs> pretty much everybody like works in the game industry or something like that or the music industry and kind of goes in between both has their hands in different areas there's a member who works for Capitol records and so he's always doing stuff with like lil yachty oh yeah Mm -hmm. and got that guy on the twitch streaming oh wow so so that guy's been like trying to do that and you know there's been a big like i guess a phenomenon with Twitch and hip hop kind of yeah. Yeah, let's talk about together. this Ninja Drake situation. Yeah, Drake you know your boy was salty. <laughs> you know your boy was salty because I was like, I, like I get why it was Ninja, but it should have been one of us. <laughs> yeah, by one of us, I mean me or you. Nah, 
<laughs> I, there were people who said that to me, and I was like, no, nah, this is good, bro. Like, yeah. I mean, Ninja's somebody I actually, you know, have come across before. Oh, nice. Um, just in the old MLG days, he was one of those people who played Halo, got really good at that game. And, uh, I, I mean, it wasn't lucrative back then yeah. to be a pro gamer. It just wasn't. Oh, yeah. And uh, so it's kind of cool to see him get this type of recognition now. Yeah. Because it's like, I feel like sometimes... The journey into esports for a lot of people, it seemed like it may have been for nothing. Yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. you, you put all your passion into this competing and into helping to grow this scene, but like at the end of the day, it just was not lucrative, and yeah. like you ended up in very precarious situations in your life because yeah. you decided yeah. to pursue this thing full time. Yeah. And so Ninja was one of those people. You know, he had a wife, he had people to feed. So to see him getting this type of success to me, it's, it's been awesome. It's well, been real awesome. That's super dope too. Uh, but also, it brings up a good point because you know. Esports now, I feel like, is a young man's game, but there's so many old heads yep. who used to be in esports. <laughs> yeah. So, what must that be like to see now all these young dudes getting money and some old dudes who had to just leave it in the dust because there was no money? Yeah, it's it's cool. It's cool because, like, I feel like there's a good amount of these guys who appreciate it. Yeah, and then, and they appreciate the fact that there were others who kind of took the fall. Yeah, in a sense, in order for them to be in this position. At the same time. Uh, it can be frustrating when there are people who don't appreciate it, yeah. or who feel like they are ent- entitled. Oh right, yeah, right. And I mean, entitlement. To be honest with you, it goes with like a good portion of like the game community. The gaming oh, community. There's a lot of entitled people out there. Oh so. yeah, I wanted to talk to you about the community as far as um, I don't know, like the balance between it being like a nurturing community, but also dealing with like you said, entitlement or online harassment. And again, we're dealing with people that are super young yeah. having to deal with this and getting money and coming up so quickly. Right. I mean, what are what have you experienced or seen now that you are so heavily a part of it? <laughs> oh, man. I, I mean, I've seen all types of stuff, you know. Uh, I mean, there was a situation recently where uh, I met a kid. I won't say his name, but I met him over the summer during a tournament we were doing called the Overwatch World Cup. Very nice kid. Probably one of the most humble kids I had met. Uh, so after that, I hadn't seen him. I know that the Overwatch World Cup got a lot of eyes on him mm-hmm. and a lot of other people. So he got way more popular yeah. as time went on. And then he got a Twitch stream that was popping off, super popular. And I don't think he had anybody in his corner to kind of like oh, uh-huh. let like him know Like a mentor? What was up. Yeah, like yeah. Somebody to let him know like, yo, like be careful with this fame. Right. Be careful yeah. with the popularity. and you know, the the community, like, don't let it make you, you know, make yeah. sure you're in control of that. And I feel like uh, he might not have anyone there to tell him that. So he's been running into some issues. Mm-hmm. There's been just a lot of controversy around yeah. him for that reason. And, I mean, for me, I hate to see that happen to people. I, I feel like um, you just got to be careful because I feel like the culture itself is very unpoliced and very, there's no, there's not many guardians. There's not many thought leaders. Uh, there's a lot of people who are just out there to make things happen, get attention and stuff. And, so for that reason, there's just a lot of, tr- it could be a lot yeah. of toxicity. Yeah. Right. I also feel like it's, like you were saying, it's these young people that they suddenly start coming up and now they're partnered with companies. Right. And all of a sudden it's like, now you have to watch what you say online. Um, we were talking earlier about how some people will quit college, which, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about them. I, I think a lot of times that's over, 
overrated at times as someone that has a college degree and doesn't use it like most of the world but they quit college to join some of these teams and then they get dropped from the team and then they don't always have a backup plan so yeah. I think a lot of times when people hear about professional gamers they think of it on this huge level and not like oh no these are actually young people who are still struggling to find their place right. in the community they're impressionable yes they're, and then they're they're at that age where the influences are, are going to matter the most you know so there needs to be more people who are stepping in and making sure these guys don't get too lost. But a lot of people, you know, you can't really, t if somebody's getting so much attention and they're seeing just like a, a type of success that they've never seen before, you can't tell them what to do. I remember somebody said that type of stuff about like Tupac. Like when yeah. he's in his moment, you can't tell somebody like that what to do. Yeah. And it's the same, it go, the same goes for like a lot of these younger guys. You yeah. Know, so. Oh, it's just like Kanye says, like, wait till I get my money right. You can't tell me nothing. And right. it, yeah. it's true for better or for the worse. The best Kanye song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, it's, it's one of the top 10. I wouldn't, it wouldn't be, don't worry. We'll go into Kanye yeah, yeah, madness yeah. off air. Uh, very mad about it. I don't know who did that. Uh, <laughs> but basically, yeah, when you have when you're getting success, it's kind of hard to steer someone from a course because they they're like, this is working for me. But what people don't understand is when eyes are on you, it's a it's a it's a wave. Right. They build you up just to knock you down. Yeah, right. I feel like that. I, I feel we see that a lot in the communities, but that's what I've I've noticed that in some of this the esports community that it yeah. feels like when someone does come up, it's like, oh, one of us made it. Uh, let's yeah. tear them down. Yeah. <laughs> just to kind of put an ending to that whole conversation, I think, uh, you know, a huge part of it is that esports is still kind of new. So there yeah. haven't been many people who've reached that level to say I've had that That's experience true. to speak to the younger really guys. It's really small. Yeah. Yeah, like well, you had Fatality. He was like yeah. the first ever millionaire pro oh, gamer. Oh, yeah, I remember but, that. But, I mean, that dude took a route that, like, I don't know if many people are going to be able to take, which is, mm -hmm. like, he invested a lot. He had his own business and things of that nature. So he was really the first to kind of start doing that. But, yeah, it's tough when it's so new. The scene is so new, and uh, I think we'll I see a difference as time progresses Right. I did want to ask you real quick on a topic that we had talked about as far as like performance enhancing, since it's not as heavily regulated. Do you have any thoughts on that as far as like players taking, I mean, pretty publicly, actually, some players said openly that they take Adderall and Ritalin and, and things like that. Yeah. I mean, the thing about those particular things is like some of those dudes take those drugs as part of their like everyday life uh-huh so they would take it so they regardless. would take it regardless mm -hmm. you know yeah. and uh i don't know if some some people say like it helps them with their gaming but maybe it just helps them function as human beings that makes yeah, yeah that that's yeah so i, I don't know for, for me it's kind of hard to to like weigh in on that because i i think if you're taking it just for that one reason like i just want to like increase my gaming yeah. skill it's kind of <laughs> cheesy like you know yeah. like <laughs> okay so you're you're admitting you want to give yourself an advantage but i mean yeah. i know a lot of people actually need those things just to function That's yeah true. so it would be hard to regulate right you know? it it's would be hard, hard to regulate, to regulate. Yeah. yeah i mean they're not illegal drugs or yeah like that, so. so it's like players uh turn in your prescriptions we have to make sure you can be good but i wonder if that's going to change now that going back to us talking about the olympics yeah yeah um, because I feel like it would have to be regulated at some point yes. as far as esports pushing towards being recognized through the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. And so speaking of the Olympics, so uh, we already talked about the Intel Extreme Masters and just how that the strength of that yeah. of that whole tournament. So it seems like during the Winter Games, they went ahead and did a Pyeongchang mm -hmm. tournament. The International <laughs> Olympic Committee used it as a tryout to see possibility of it being an olympic game what do you think about that malika i know my thoughts but i'm curious about yours 
I mean, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think I'm it's cool. Say, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like we're going to hit a point really soon where the discussion of, like, what games need to be Olympics comes up. And when we have that discussion, that's, I feel like that's going to be, like, an interesting one because I, I, there's a lot of video games that I don't think necessarily would fit in that category. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. something, and there are mm-hmm. a lot to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, I think it's cool for everyone to just have that discussion around their games in oh, this yeah. gaming period. Well, yeah, and this actually lobs up into the next thing we're going to talk about, which is like how games are being built for esports. But just to stay on the Olympics a quick second, I I feel like that is an important conversation. What do you think would be your three games if you had to pick right now? I know my three. I'll let you know my three after you say yours. Uh, Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that would probably be the top mm-hmm. because yeah. it's uh, I mean, Evo already feels like an Olympic event when you go there. Uh. People are already repping their countries. You know, yeah. you still get the USA chance in the crowd, things yeah. of that nature. So that's cool. Um, the next game, I would say, and I'm not just saying this because I work on the game. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people would agree with you. Yeah, I think Overwatch definitely. Yeah. You yeah. see the World Cup and how, how so amazing that was. And yeah, passionate. The fans are so passionate. And yeah. Oh, yeah. And when you put all the players together on each team, it's, 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 it's cool. And the World Cup last year was like, I don't know if you guys got a chance to come no, down no. to so the arena. You, hopefully you can give me tickets this year. Yeah. If you want to come, let me know. Ooh, the the arena was, was packed to the rim. I got a sound clip. <laughs> you got a sound clip. Yeah, you got Imagine me. how right. petty that would be Audio if I'm like Malik. Uh, Contractually. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, in your third game? Oh, my third game, ah, that's tough. I'd probably go with, I want to say Smash. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I want to say Smash because I like Smash, but no, I'm going to throw a wild card in there and say Rocket League. No, that's actually. Rocket League has been very entertaining to watch yeah. as an eSport. And I think that'd be a cool Olympic. So I also, Overwatch was on my list as well, and it definitely would be Street Fighter because I feel like Street Fighter is, and I know some people in the fighting game community are going to be real salty about this, but it is, I feel like, the top like fighting game that anyone can watch and get a general yeah, understanding. Yeah, I agree with because that. Because everyone knows, like, Hadoukens, all that stuff. Like, you can show anyone right. that old school uh, Daigo Blocking yeah. the the Chun Li kicks and everyone's hype. That is, that is so understandable. You don't have to have known about the parry system to know what he did was tight. Right. I, I saw it just was on the top of Reddit gaming, yeah. and people were like, "What happened? This is tight. What happened?" And I feel like that's why I feel like Street Fighter. Now the next fight would be which version, but, <laughs> but yeah, we'll leave that up. I mean, because yeah, Third Strike was kind of yeah <laughs> a different game. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but my third, I think I would go ahead and give that to League. The only issue with that is the huge fight between like Dota or League. But I feel like a MOBA is your like, I'm trying to think of a comparable Olympic sport where it's like not everyone understands it, but there is like a sports thinking level to it with the lanes yeah, with the lane. and everything. Like, like having a top down view helps. Yeah. It reminds you almost of a football game. Exactly. And yeah. that's why I'm like, I feel like that's the best translate. But the one I liked about the ones you chose is I feel like on a global level, it's pretty balanced. Right. But I feel like MOBAs, it's still it, Europe and uh, Asia. They got those locked. It'd be a, a uphill battle for US. NA's having a rough time. I'm sorry, Evil <laughs> But yeah, that's no. True talk. Let's. Uh, how esports is influencing games has been blowing my mind because now we're starting to have games built around right. esports. Like yeah. the first game I have written down here is Quake Champions. Like that was built in mind with esports uh, last year at uh, I believe it was TwitchCon, 
they paid to have a Quake Champions oh, yeah. tournament running that. the whole time just to get other streamers interested. And on one hand, it's like, man, I really mess with that because you guys are like the OG triple OG of esports. I'd understand why you want to build that. On the next hand, I just don't think it's sustainable to build your game around esports because you're just betting on so many factors that you can't depend on. Uh, I 100% agree that you yeah. should not build a game for esports. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you make a good game first. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Just go for that. Yeah. You know, that should always be the goal. And then uh, everything else will fall in line. Now, I guess when it comes to balancing and stuff, that's a whole different conversation. Because when you do have a game, like I wonder how the guys over at Blizzard feel because they're making this game and they're trying to make it accessible to everybody. But at the same time, like they do have a league. Yes. And so they do have certain things that they have to make sure are not balanced. Only, not only do you have a league, but you have all these esports arenas that are popping up. Like you have actual people who who not not just the actual players, but so many people that rely on this as far as like income that I feel it spans out to more than just the league itself. Where I, I understand them wanting to make sure that it can be marketed. Right. Oh, you know, yeah. that it yeah. will be important in, in the esports community. But I also understand what you're saying about just make a good game. Yeah. Yeah. You, that should always be the main goal because we've seen that format fail so many times where somebody's right. like, I'm going to make an esport. You yeah. Know? <laughs> this is my first goal. I'm going out and making this an esport. And it's failed. It's just oh, done nothing. But maybe but is that how you would feel too about people just wanting to be professional in general in esports? Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I was reading different interviews where actual professional esports players were like, don't try to go for this <laughs> because the idea of you making it is so small, like you were saying. Yeah, like play to play po- because you're passionate. Yeah, about play it. because you truly want to be the best and because you truly want to get better and see how that pans out, you know, like. Instead of like banking on making it, maybe. Yeah, or banking on making it or just trying to follow, follow someone else's path. I think that's just a, a life lesson. Every, there's people who want to get to certain places, but they like try to follow other people's paths. And like, I understand being inspired and taking inspiration. Yeah. But like, you got you to gotta do your own thing when it's all yeah. said and done. And I, that same thing goes for players. You know, that's like, there's a, while, there's a lot of people in Overwatch like uh, in the league now who are coming in that I, I appreciate because like, they, you can tell that they have their own play style. Oh yeah, they don't aspire to be anyone but them themselves. Mm-hmm. And like, they probably have people they look up to or other people who they can borrow some elements from. But they still incorporate everything and make it their own. Because you, if you follow your own wave, that can be the new wave. Yeah, like, for sure. uh, who's that boxer who just has no real technical skill? He fights like he's, and you know who I'm talking about because you posted the link of him getting that knockout. Oh, Deontay Wilder. Yeah, yeah. Wilder. Like, if you watch him, you're like, what? But yeah. It works. He just swings like, and knocks people out. It looks like back in the hood when someone was fighting. Like <laughs> yeah. that's how he fights, and that's like what I love about it. But also because it works. If he was, can you imagine if he was so obsessed with making sure he had the form right. down and that technique. he didn't do what yeah. worked for him? Yeah. yeah, you know. Well, he says in every interview, like it's not about skill; it's about heart. When it's yeah. all said and yeah. done, and he walks in with this bravado that you don't see. From any other boxer. Yeah. It, it almost is Ali-esque. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, he just knows oh, he's yeah. going to go in there. Even if he knows he's going to get hit, he's like, I'm walking out of that ring. Yeah. <laughs> For my daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, and that's what's up. But we can't talk about esports influence and game without bringing up player unknown Battlegrounds. Oh, that yeah. That game, I, I've never had a game that I love so much but have so many complaints about it because you can just feel the moment when they felt the money from esports 
and kind of just didn't care that much about polishing. Like yeah. I, that's that's how it felt for me. It felt like the moment we started already just giving them money for esports, just doing tournaments back to back. What incentive did they have to really polish the game and really hit all the promises that they said they would do? You know? Yeah, I I mean that there goes the proof in the pudding right there. Yeah. You know, like if you again. If you make a game and you're aiming to make an eSport, yeah. you're going to run into problems at some point. Oh, yeah. It kind of sucks, you know, because like, I like to see indie developers win. Oh, yeah. And the fact that they weren't AAA might have been, I mean, the, one of the reasons why right now they're kind of like losing that battle and kind of losing oh, their yeah. identity and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, to support your game, yo, like just support your game. Yeah. Just make it better. Exactly. Just because if you look at, you know, its biggest competitor, which I will admit is winning me over a bit, Fortnite. Yeah. Like they weren't interested in the battle royale was just a fun thing. They yeah. just was a side thing that was like, all right, people like this. We'll just do this for fun. And then it just blew up and they're polishing it. They're yeah. never once did they go, all right, well, I'm glad you like it. They're still tweaking it and polishing well, it. Well, they're seeing the number of people playing it, and they're like, hmm. Because <laughs> <laughs> at first, there weren't even any microtransactions yeah. or anything. Yeah. You know? But then they start seeing like so many people download it, and they're like, yep. hmm, we got to make this money back. Yeah, yeah. And, and then more. they got the battle pass going, which it it's a pretty good deal. Like I like the battle pass aspect. I like that they still You're are You're paying like, for an unlock system. Yeah. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. And then they're like, cool. And they're like, also- We'll still give you some free stuff if you don't pay for it. Like right. that, because a lot of people wonder what the sweet spot is for gamers. And uh, this will be fun to talk about because we all remember what happened with Battlefront 2. Yeah. And we all, and pretty much, and I want to know if you agree with it. Here's what I think if you charge someone full price for a game, give them their game. But if you're charging them for free, people will be willing to spend money if it's a good game. Uh huh. And if you still have an aspect of it that's available for free. So, like, the fact that they're like, you can do the battle pass and you'll get all these, like, cosmetics, but you can get free cosmetics as well. People are like, okay, I'll chip in a couple bucks. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's a Hail Mary that a lot of game developers probably won't throw because, yeah. you know, if they're under a AAA publisher like EA or something, that's, oh, yeah. that's not going to be the case. Oh, never. But it's, <laughs> it's worth I feel like it's worth it, you know, for if you have a good game, if you have something you know that's different, you know. Mm -hmm. And, like... Again, the, the you said it. Fortnite that was an accident. You know they didn't. They stumbled upon yeah. that. But people everywhere knew that like the battle royale genre was getting ready to grow. Oh, like yeah. even H one Z one in its heyday, people were already seeing it. And oh, then yeah. PUBG was like, hmm, let's capitalize on that. And then Epic, a triple A developer who you know Gears of War, yeah. they got oh, yeah. plenty of games over there. But they're like, yo, we're gonna. We're gonna hop on this. Everybody runs their game on our engine anyway. That's that was the funny thing. It's yeah, like PUBG runs on Unreal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like, come on, like yeah. Uh, I, I feel I'm happy for Epic though. Like, oh yeah, I'm glad to see them winning. Well, I feel like Epic is one of those very few still existing like wholesome AAA developers. Like yeah. you know, like they not only put out good games like Gears and all this stuff, but they put out so many free games too. Like yeah. you know, you got Fortnite that's for free, Paragon that's for free. So it's just, it's like, man, I want to support you because you're just like games for the people. It's a smarter model for a good multiplayer game. Even Overwatch shows, mm -hmm. like, I mean, they charge people for that game, but they've showed over time that, like, people, if they're invested in the game, they'll come back. And oh, yeah. They'll buy stuff. So I feel like if you're a multiplayer game, take notes. Yeah. Yeah. Sure.
So let's talk a little bit about your esports history. So you yeah. said you used to play uh, the shooters back in the day, right? Rainbow Six Vegas. Ooh. Way back in the day. Okay. Yeah, I still got the sounds of the slot machines in Calypso Casino ringing in my head <laughs> to this very day. And it's all good. Uh, that game was great. It was just an, I played in the time when like the tournaments were scarce. Oh, man. It was pretty much uh, their amateur tournaments were online. So you found a lot of those, like there was one called GGL or Global Gaming League and stuff. And they were all online tournaments. And you'd make like a max, like, uh, like, 900 bucks winning oh, wow. a tournament online yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And then there was MLG. And uh, the MLG had Rainbow Six for I, I don't know how many circuits. It was several. It was a couple years. Uh, it was like the game that came before Gears of War. Yeah. You know, so it was like at the bottom. But uh, yeah, it was fun. Like my time there was very short. I developed like a bad reputation because I was a big crap talker the entire time. <laughs> Just a competitive spirit. I guess I was one of those types. Uh, and then, uh, I stopped and kind of went in and transitioned into like game journalism from oh, nice. there. Because I, I was like, people were watching me because of my Rainbow Six antics. Yeah. And I was like, all right, let's just talk about all games. I'm just yeah, going to yeah. play everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I kind of finagled my way into this game journalism stuff. Oh, so that yeah. was my career. So, how did you get to doing commentary then and like on air and on camera stuff? Well, from I being mean, behind the scenes. Well, yeah, like, well, one was, like, I would go to fighting game tournaments and do commentary because, like, it's very loose there. So, like, you can just sit down. And do commentary sometimes. Like anybody can if you just volunteer. If you go to the right fighting game event, so (laughs) they're just giving the mic to anybody. (laughs) Well, it's a community, so like, so they know you who you are. Right? If they see you around, they're cool if you jump Mm -hmm. on the mic, you know, because they know you understand the the atmosphere and you can frame the story of what's going on and stuff like that. Also, the nerdest thing. So Mm -hmm. when you're working under Chris Hardwick and you're working with Jessica Chobot, you get thrown into a lot of hosting situations and you start to learn about that. So. That, it was kind of a melding of those two things. Like, I had done the commentary before. I was hosting. I already had relationships with people from, like, being in the game journalism. Some people knew me from back in the Rainbow Six days. So yeah. It was just, like, kind of all those factors working at once. And then I landed into some esports stuff. Okay, all right. Well, we'll jump into your Overwatch League stuff right after this break. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. 
imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, and we're back. We're here with Malik Forte. Just all around esports dude, rapper, thug zapper. Uh, <laughs> thug zapper. Thug zapper. Thug zapper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Am I, am I the cops? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that sounds yeah, like. Yeah. No, uh, but yeah, so how did the whole Overwatch League thing happen? Because I'm going to let you know how I saw it from my lens. Okay, yeah. You can do, yeah. Because you weren't doing it for a bit, and I was like, okay. And then people started being like, yo, where is the diversity? And you actually came on and was like, no, they sent me an offer. We just couldn't work something out right now. And then next thing I know, you're on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was the optic I would imagine from outside. Uh, yeah. So I've been working with Blizzard for like, yeah, you know, four or five years. Mm-hmm. I've been doing stuff with them uh, on the hosting side. Yeah. So I did BlizzCon before. Uh, I hosted like one of the launch events for Heroes of the Storm here in the U.S. And um, eventually, I ended up doing the Overwatch Open, which was basically this tournament they threw uh, down in Atlanta on TBS. With yeah, I was going to say that I've seen commercials of you on TBS. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, people like, been, I know that man. People have been telling me that. I've never seen any of them. There was one recently. <laughs> recently? That popped, yeah, yeah. Like, how I, recent? I mean, like, in the last month that I saw you. Dang. So I don't know if they're, re- you might need to get your money if they're, like, re- <laughs> I ain't getting, I ain't getting exact Residuals. Squat. Residuals. I ain't getting nothing. But it's, it's cool. Yeah, in the last month. Yeah, you that, were. That's, that's a lot of esports for you. <laughs> Uh, free work, you know, that's what it is. But uh, nah, I love the people down at E-League, um, and I'll be working with them again, hopefully, pretty soon. Anyways, I did the Overwatch Open thing. Uh, it was crazy. We had like a crazy moment where I flubbed a handshake with some guy. Ended oh, I up remember on... that. I remember that. That was a meme. That was yeah. a real meme, it right? Was a me- it was front page of Reddit. <laughs> oh, God. Jimmy Fallon I'm took sorry. it. Threw it what? on the show. Yes, He yes. shouldn't talk. It was a moment. He shouldn't talk. Oh, don't worry, because Jimmy Fallon said his piece, and then we did a broadcast, and I got back at him. Okay, good. <laughs> Basically showing him messing up his handshake uh-huh. with like some NBA player. So, you oh, know, we went back and forth. That's great. I love yeah. it. We traded it. Yeah. Uh, so, that was my first foray in Overwatch. And then I ended up coming back summer of 2017 and doing the Overwatch World Cup. And so <clears throat> that was a crazy life-changing experience for me because it was like my first time traveling to a lot of those countries. Uh, went to Shanghai, Ooh. where everybody asked me what team I played for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> went to Australia, Sydney, where everybody asked me uh, why we voted the president in. Oh, there was a whole bunch of other stories, <laughs> questions like that. Oh, man, yeah. It was, it was one of those. But anyways, long story short, that was a life-changing experience and I was like I want to do something else with Overwatch yeah. I made such a great relationship with all the players and so I had been talking with them like since the conclusion of the Overwatch World Cup which was around BlizzCon uh, about that and it was just one of those things where you know the lawyers they were, they do their thing and they oh, go yeah. back and forth and then you know there's certain things you know we can't budge on certain things yeah. that they don't want to budge on and it just took a little longer yeah and um it I was supposed to be there at day one I was yeah uh, and it, I, I it was kind of crazy seeing everybody go like, well, what's what's up? And calling me out specifically. I mean, I guess it was kind of validating in a sense. Because yeah. it was like, I'm glad they like acknowledged me. Yeah. You know, like it means my work that I've done so far 
hasn't gone unnoticed. I but. mean, you, yeah, you you are one of my favorite voices when it comes to Blizzard because you've been doing. I remember when I saw you up there on BlizzCon holding it down. I was like, that's my boy right there, and you've been killing it in e-league i remember when you started doing e-league and uh we talked about it shortly because uh e-leagues with esl if i remember correctly right? nah, e no that's turner sports turner whoa sports. yeah so really? like yeah like craig berry the vice president of turner what like wanted to get in esports real bad okay so e-league's been like a brand down there that they've been cycling many games through mm -hmm. counter-strike is their main game yeah uh they've done street fighter previously nice. uh, they just did tekken um and justice too so they they are definitely like Looking at fighting games, pretty hardcore. They even did a Rocket League one. Wow! And all the, all of them did very well. So yeah. E League, uh, I, I would say, has been like one of the main uh, pioneers when it comes to taking esports and bringing it to broadcast more in a more high quality. Fashion. Oh yeah, no, the E League stories are great. So some of these tournaments don't have prize money, right? Some of them they're just straight. You gave me a face. I mean, there, but some of them do. There's so many tournaments out there. So. Yes, and this is a nerdy podcast for everyone, and a lot of people actually aren't. The reason why we're doing this is because a lot of people don't know the yeah. amount of tournaments and what all it entails. So can you talk about kind of what a tournament looks like? For sure, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of tournaments that don't have, like, they're local. And so typically what happens at locals, depending on what genre, is either, like, just a whole bunch of friends get together and they play for pride, or if it's, like, something like uh, we have here in on the West Coast, we have... Wednesday night fights, which happens in Santa Ana. And then out on the East Coast, there's a next level battle circuit. These are fighting game tournaments that happen every week. Uh, people refer to them as weeklies. And you go there, you pay to get in, and then there's a pot. Whoever comes out first place, they win that pot and they go home with that, depending mm -hmm. on how many people show up. So that, there's a lot of that happening. And then you have like your big invitationals, your majors, uh, so to speak, that happen every year. For instance, like Evo's the big fighting game major that happens every summer. It happens in Vegas typically. Everybody comes from around the world and they play for like huge cash prizes. And then you have like uh, your majors in other games like Counter-Strike. There's like 10 majors a year, I think. It kind of fluctuates because they've been adding and taking away majors. But like these are the big tournaments for the big prizes and stuff like that. It, it varies from game to game though, to be honest. Like even Rocket League, like some tournament like DreamHack would be like, oh, we want Rocket League. Let's do a Rocket League tournament. Cash prize. They'll find a sponsor. There's a prize there, you know. But the thing is, these tournaments happening a lot more. There's a lot more like mm -hmm. ways to make money playing these games. You just got to be good enough. And the thing is, like, what happens now is esports organizations they find players right. and they send them out. They fund a way to get them out to all the tournaments. And then those dudes go out there. They win. They bring back some money for the organization for themselves. And that's kind of like been like the hustle for a lot of esports organizations yeah. but now we're starting to see people make actual leagues and so it's a little bit different because people are going in with like salaries now like with the yeah. overwatch league people going with salaries and they have guaranteed money coming to them they don't have to worry about any majors or anything like that or you know this it's a little bit more consistent and a little bit more guaranteed and upfront, and so they can just focus on playing and they know like when the playoffs are and they know that they have to make and win a certain amount of games to get there and things of that nature. And that was a big move because esports was tricky in that way. Uh, earlier we were talking about how in Counter-Strikes, one of the big moves is wait until the trade deadlines are over so you can drop your players yeah. so that no one can pick them and use them against you. But what that does is kind of screw over it the player. Screws them over, right. yeah. So they can't make any money now because you didn't want any competition. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, so that I feel like that's a big change that needs to happen in those leagues to really prevent right. against that. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe follow the Overwatch model. So if you want to drop your player, you could drop them because they're going to get paid either way. Yeah. I appreciate the fact that they've kind of like made a league. There's still some stuff that Overwatch League needs to have happen. Like there needs to be a players union yeah. and stuff like that. Um, but I like the fact that these guys can actually focus on the game now. Yes. You know, they can focus on just playing and they don't have to worry about the inconsistency. Because it's basically like the freelance lifestyle. You oh, know. yeah. For sure. And, and plus, like, gaming is yeah. just now getting to this point where it's lucrative. So, Although yeah. we were talking about one of our friends, um, her brother got picked up for a league and so he moved into a house and that was like his life, which yeah. is really fascinating, exciting thing but like you said when you get dropped last minute and you don't necessarily have a, a backup plan it can be i think startling for some of these younger players right yeah uh, i'm hoping we see a lot more situations where these guys don't have to deal with that i mean overwatch league is its own case study uh i don't know if we'll have any more other leagues like that i know league of legends they just went to into franchising teams too oh nice so i mean i'm sure they'll find a way to come around uh i would like to see the fighting game community do a better job with that Personally, now you do see a lot of players who are sponsored, uh, and a lot of esports organizations that are getting better about this. Like Echo Fox, right now they're they're great. Like they they give their players money upfront. You know they sign them for long periods of time. They don't just drop them. They stick with their players and stuff like that. Oh, but that's, that's been a, that's actually been a huge problem though in esports for a while. It's like people just getting dropped. And yeah. Just the way they treat the players is been yeah. kind of kind of butt overall. Yeah. Which is why I was like super happy to not even like. Worry about <laughs> you get paid no matter what. I was like, I'm gonna I'm take a different route. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. I don't like you that know, one bit. I already, I already got the one thing going against me. Like, I'm yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Oh man. All right. Well, before we sign off here, what do you think the future of mm -hmm. esports is? The immediate future, I see us. Well, for Overwatch League in particular, I see more things like that happening. We're gonna start seeing more franchising. Uh, we're gonna start seeing. People try to create more structure around it because that, that's, like I said, been a huge problem about just people being able to have an access point to it. You know, uh, so we'll see more structure. Overwatch League will continue to grow itself. Uh, I think there's going to be expansion teams for sure. So that means more players can come in. Um, and I think the fighting game community, we're going to start to see a little more structure around that too. Uh, I mean, Capcom has tried to do some stuff with Street Fighter. Um, I hope they will relinquish their hold on that and, uh, and let some other people step in. I'd love to see them team up with like Turner Sports mm -hmm. and make a league for fighting games oh, yeah. and just let yeah. that be it, you know? Oh, yeah. It, it kind of sucks because the fighting game community is about people being able to show up on the day, anybody. And right, win. right. And so it's kind of hard to like organize all that stuff. But I see us figuring something out. Maybe there'll be more invitational tournaments, yeah. things of that nature. But uh, we'll just see a lot more structure in the immediate future. And far into the future, Olympics. Yeah, maybe a union and stuff. Yeah, like on Sports Center, they talking about esports. Yeah, know, yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, if he was covering that, people were like, "Oh, this shouldn't be on ESPN." And then he was like, "But there's like poker on there." Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's yeah. all kinds of crazy stuff. But yeah, you know, it's I, people eating hot dogs. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> like, true. That's true. Yeah, like uh, is this hot dog uh, competition? Then yes, we should have esports being yeah, covered on there. I feel like the future of esports is very bright. I feel like now it's generally understood to be something that should be taken seriously. Yeah. It took a long road. I feel like we both kind of saw where, you know, how long it's taken to oh, get yeah. this point. 
but now it's like yeah, yeah. and it, what i hope to see is that people are mature yeah. yeah we just need people to mature and the scene will grow a lot faster because i feel like immaturity is what made it take so long mm-hmm. and it's games yeah we're kids so yeah so let's uh remember that well where can people find yeah, where you malik can people catch you at malik foreplay on uh everything social media like twitter instagram Everything just yeah. at Malik Foreplay on the SoundCloud then, too, huh? On SoundCloud too, on SoundCloud as well. <laughs> and uh, every Wednesday through Saturday, twitch.tv slash Overwatch League. I'm there, yeah, nice. All right, you know me, it's your boy Ify Wadi Way, I F Y N W A D I W E on both Twitter and Instagram. Catch your boy Wallet. I am at Ms. Danny Fernandez, it's M S D A N I F E R N A N D E Z. Don't write the other Danny Fernandez because I am apparently a Spanish boy band singer. <laughs> he blocked me when I messaged him. So dang. Yep. Yeah, and definitely if you want to, you know, follow all the nerdificent socials, N E R D I F I C N T, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Like, subscribe, give us a five star review. You know you want to. You've been listening for this long. Let's get it in. Let's make it official, please. Yeah, and tweet us uh, what you want us to cover. This is supposed to be a podcast for everyone. So whether you are, you know, an expert in this or someone new, what is something that you want us to cover? Let us know. Yeah, we might throw it on the dock. We'll shout you out when we do it too. All right, y'all. Stay nerdy. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. There are choices that can change your life. Like the choice to start routine colorectal cancer screening at age 45. It's one of the most common cancers for women and men, and it doesn't always have symptoms. But there's good news. Routine screening can catch colorectal cancer early and even prevent it. And there's even better news. You have screening options. Make the choice to put your health first. Talk to your doctor about your screening options or visit cdc.gov slash screen for life for more information.